Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Hey there, it's Aaron Schlein, and welcome back to Family Travel Radio, bringing you the people and places that inspire life-changing family travel. I've got a special treat for you today. This week's episode was recorded in front of a live audience at the Family Travel Association Summit last week in Custer State Park in South Dakota. You're going to hear three very different perspectives about how the travel industry is incorporating educational opportunities into their experiences and making learning that's real learning fun for kids. Before we dive in, I want to send a special shout out to Allianz Travel Insurance, who generously sponsored this episode. Allianz believes in the power of family travel and in the mission of Family Travel Radio, so much so that they generously sponsored this episode recorded live at the FTA Summit. A sincere thanks to our friends out at Allianz for helping families discover the possibilities. All right, my friends, sit back and enjoy this episode recorded live on stage at Custer State Park in South Dakota. Family Travel Radio has been on the air for a little over a year. We introduced Family Travel Radio at the summit in Bermuda about this time last year. And since then, we've produced 50 episodes, actually more than 50 episodes, because some of those episodes had bonus material, and in five episodes in five days, we've done that with a couple of our partners. So well over 50 episodes in one year. Uh, Very grateful to the entire FDA, but especially those of you in this room who've supported us, those of you in this room who have been guests on the show. Put your hands up one more time. Some of you have trickled in. Look at these folks. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And I want to acknowledge a couple of, of members. Uh, before we get started, one is Airtrex. We partnered with Airtrex recently, created a five-episode-in-five-days series about around-the-world travel for families. Airtrex is not represented here, but I wanted to acknowledge them anyway. And a new partner who is well-represented here at the summit is G-Adventures. Throw your hands up, G-Adventures, folks. In the near future, uh, Family Travel Radio and G-Adventures will produ- be producing another five-episode series on G-Tours for families. And finally, a more of a higher-level sponsor, just generally backing the Family Travel Mission and our Take Family Time Advocacy Program, which you'll be hearing more about later this afternoon, is Allianz Travel Insurance has chosen to support the Family Travel Radio and the Family Travel Radio Mission. So I want to give Allianz... And one more note before we get started, I mentioned these three partners. Family Travel Radio is here to work with FTA members individually, whether it's just doing one interview, one episode, or creating something bigger. And remember, again, it's more than a podcast. It's on-demand audio content. The sky's the limit. And with the expertise we have between myself and the whole team, uh, we would love to work with individual members to create that compelling on-demand audio content for families. So moving on, we have the Making Learning Fun for Kids panel here. I am joined by my right here. Brian White is the manager of onboard programming, Celebrity Cruises. Welcome, Brian. And to his right, where's the audio guy? <laughs> we have uh, we have Beth, who's the general manager, Thompson Family Adventures. And finally on the end, and saving the day 
in place of Tom White. We had the White brothers on the panel, but Tom White from Space Camp was unable to join us, coming in at the last minute to save the day. Catherine Gray from Naatik Language and Cultural Institute. Begin for the panel before we get started. So making learning fun for kids. I think you could make a case for every one of you in this room to be on this panel, because there's no shortage of opinions and great things to say in this space. Brian, I want to start with you and talking about the evolution of needs in terms of wanting to incorporate education into travel experiences, how that the, the needs have evolved over the years and coming at it from the, the cruise line point of view. Yeah, I mean, for the, the cruise industry, if you looked back maybe, let's just say 10 years ago, for most parents, the primary need was babysitting services, right? The old, the classic cruise ship joke was, you see your kids when you get on board and when you are picking up your luggage, right? And that was the mentality of parents. Um, but it, as Bruce articulated so well yesterday, you know, people now want to live the values that they have at home on their vacations and parents want to be with their children on cruises. So now it's not so much about the babysitting services, it's about enriching engaging entertainment programming for youth and for families. In fact, we were talking earlier, most cruise lines are actually eliminating or reducing their babysitting programs on board their ships. We uh, at Celebrity Cruises have just limited that program to sweet guests only. So the need for babysitting services is no longer reflected in the values of parents, which means we have to lean into the actual programming. Now, Beth, take a couple minutes so, to explain what it is you do, Thompson, Thompson Family, Family Adventures. Thompson Family Adventures has only ever done family travel. We've been running tours for over 20 years. Um, it's group and custom trips to 20 destinations worldwide. Um, I've been there for 14 years, so I've had a lot of experience with product development, building itineraries, listening to clients, and hearing about what was important and on their trips. Okay, so coming at it from that perspective, mm -hmm. so like when the cruise line, you have maybe a desired outcome, and that is to incorporate education into the vacation, and you can reverse engineer it, because it all happens within the re relatively safe confines of a cruise ship. Not so much in your case. It's got to be more organic. Tell me about the tone so of that. We do more of, I think, passive learning. Um, we've always had some a cultural component to our itineraries. We've done pen pal letters from the start, cultural immersion, um, learning traditional cooking lessons, um, interacting with kids. So that's always been a part of it, but we're not doing like homework or curriculum or in your face. We're not selling it to the kids like they're going to learn. Um, they're just there to have fun and they don't realize that they're learning, which is what makes it so effective. And then moving on to Catherine, your education is, 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 is it is what you do. So tell us a little bit about, about your business and how, and the role that education plays. Um, so I began Natik. Um, I live in Mexico, and I am off the beaten path, about an hour south of Tulum, with pretty much zero tourism. And I'm a teacher by trade, English teacher. Um, and so our school is a combination of teaching the local students English, and that is subsidized by welcoming foreigners to study Spanish and Maya. So the learning for our foreigners who come down for immersion is pretty much a 24-hour experience. They, the families come down, they have classes. When families come, the children are with certain teachers. The, their parents are in separate classes. They're in homestay families who do not speak English. 
mostly. Um, and so look, they're there to learn. That's why they come to us, because they actually want their kids to learn not only the language, but to truly learn the culture and get to know the children, get to know the families, get to know our local students. So the learning is actually quite deep. It's, it's not a surface one day, go and talk to a kid. It's actually 24 hours. Bring it back to Brian again, talking about the idea that you really have a blank slate when you're creating these programs and knowing that you wanted to get from here to there, here being babysitting service to there, which is an immersive educational experience on board a ship. Tell me about that, that, that process and how, how you go about engaging with families to give them exactly what it is they're looking for. Yeah, I think, you know, we have the advantage of, of age groups, as you referenced before, right? So we service in uh, Camp at Sea is the name of our, our youth program on board. We service ages 3 to 5, 6 to 9, 10 to 12, and then 13 and to 17 as our teen groups. And so that really gives us the ability to create customized programming for those individual age groups. Obviously, there are different learning needs, there are different tactile needs, there are different levels of engagement that those different groups want, and there are different things, as, as all the parents in the room can attest to, that the parents want for those different age groups. And so we really are able to offer what is a truly customized program based on what the actual age needs are. I'll give you a great example. We uh, recently partnered with the Frost Science Museum which is a regionally uh, very popular museum in South Florida um, that specializes in STEM education. Uh, and we have created with Frost Science the first authentic science museum experience at sea. So you're able to come on board a celebrity ship and actually experience a science museum. Um, we've started with two modules of programming, one that focuses on plankton uh, and one that focuses on microplastics. So, you know, obviously marine life conservation being an important value for us as a as a cruise line operator um, as well as microplastics and our planet sustainability so again we go back to the values right the values of the parents the values of the kids but what we're able to do by having a really fantastic partner like a frost science museum is we can say all right here's uh, some some plankton racing that's going to service the three to five year olds and the six to nine year olds they're gonna have fun they're gonna learn about some plankton but really we're gamifying it where we can get a little more deep with the 10 to 12 year olds or with the teenagers or even the family competitions. So we're actually able to structure these modules of programming. You know, celebrity cruises, we don't have the bells and whistles. You were hearing about the, the race tracks and the laser tag and the rock climbing walls and God knows what else on these ships now. We don't have a lot of those bells and whistles by design on our ships. So we really have a fantastic opportunity to lean into the programming itself and focus on the enrichment and the engagement. Aha moments. Aha moments are, are powerful. I, I know we, we talked over breakfast about aha moments we collectively experience as children and how those memories and those moments, they stick with you over time. You're learning. You're learning about the world without even realizing it, and it continues to impact your life moving forward. So Beth, let's start with you. Let's talk. I like, I love telling these stories. So let's get into some stories. One specific story of an aha moment you had the pleasure of witnessing. Well, we've had a lot of, a lot of them over the years, but I, I think one that happened this past summer um, in South Africa, we had a, a couple groups, well, families together, and it happened to be the 4th of July. So at dinner that night, the guide surprised them by having some local kids that they had 
brought in from the town who learned the U.S. national anthem and sang it to them at dinner. And the U.S. kids were blown away because, first of all, they don't usually know, they didn't know most of the words themselves. And, um, but just the fact that these kids in South Africa were learning their language, so they took it upon themselves to ask the guy to teach them the South African national anthem. And then a couple nights later at the farewell dinner, they had the same kids come back and sang their national anthem back to the South African kids. Um, so it, it's just you know a little bit to show that not only are the U.S. kids learning, it's happening around on both sides of the fence too, like where they're learning in the countries we're going to as well. Well told. That's such a cool story. It's the second time I've heard it today, and I was just as locked in as I was the first time. I love it. Catherine, aha moments. Talk to me. I, I also, we've had so many. It's when, when people come to us, families, the kids are slightly freaked out, and it takes a couple of days, and then they fall in love. So one of my most favorites are a group from upstate New York from a town of 3,000 came down. And they were, they had never really traveled, and we were pairing them up with our local kids their age. And it took a couple of days for them to talk. They finally broke the ice talking about iPhones and their favorite music, which happened to be the exact same. And then the aha moment was they all on their own at one of our homestay families planned a sleepover. And so they, the homestay family opened up, they have a back palapa, and they, of course, the boys didn't stay, because they're not allowed to, but the girls, they all spent the night and had and watched movies, and when they left, it was the next day or, or two days later, those kids cried and cried and cried both sides and didn't want to leave. And that was several years ago, and they're still in touch. So for me, that was a big aha. I'd like to get into a subject while we're in a room that likely has a lot of potential advocates, but I know this can be a controversial subject, and that is the idea of actually incorporating travel experiences into formal education and having travel experiences recognized as a part of a child's education in terms of curriculum, not being penalized for taking time off to travel with your kids and take them in these immersive uh, educational experiences, which arguably more impactful than just about anything you can learn in a classroom. There's only so much you can really manufacture in a classroom setting. But given the constraints that we have, the, the world we live in, I'd like to just hear some ideas from the panel and then also from the group about ways we can move forward as a group of family travel advocates to getting travel recognized within the formal education structure. Brian? Yeah, well, we're currently in some very, very, very preliminary discussions with the United States. First. Very, 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 very preliminary. Recorded for posterity um, <laughs> with the U.S. Department of Education. So you can help me lobby the U.S. Department of Education. So our current curriculum, our current program within Camp at Sea is based on four different pillars, which are STEM, culinary, art, and recreation. And what our sort of business case is, is addressing two populations. There's a population of parents who say, I don't want to pull my kid out of school for you know even two or three days at the end of a week because they're going to get behind or they're going to be judged or whatever reasons. And then also the homeschool population. So we're saying you can come on board one of our ships and the entertainment program is actually going to provide you with course credit 
you are going to be learning things to the extent that you can go back to your hometown, back to your homeschool, back to your peers and say, you know what? I just had a unique educational experience on board my cruise vacation. And guess what? Not only am I not behind, but I'm ahead of you now. Boom. <laughs> I'd say drop the mic, but I, I will, I will not. But the, <laughs> later, I'll let you just chuck it up into the hills there. Beth, you and I had an interesting conversation. Actually, I know I'd like to let the other two ladies have, have your, your say on this topic before we move on, because I'm sure there's, there's more we can add to this, Beth. Yeah, um, we don't have anything in the works, but I would say I would, I would fully appreciate and love to have that happen, because right now we're so stuck on the vacation calendar, and it means families are traveling at peak season. They're paying the maximum airline flight prices. It's crowded everywhere they go. If anyone has the luxury of traveling off-season, it's such a better experience for everyone. The guides aren't as stressed out. Um, they can take their time and really see the sights without having to be rushed through. And the younger kids, sometimes the parents will take them out, but we're finding it's less and less likely, and it's starting earlier and earlier that the kids are feeling this pressure to not leave school. And, and it's the same with us, that it's very rare that parents pull their children out. We have had some homeschool homeschool students come down. We did have one family come down. They pulled their kids out for four months. And I actually have a quote from Theo. Theo is one of our students. He came down with his family. They traveled for four months. His family pulled him out. And so um, Catherine, actually, before we move on, since this is an audio-only experience for the podcast listeners, with your permission, I'd like to channel Theo and, and share his thoughts. When I was 12, my family and I traveled for nine weeks throughout Latin America. Naatik was our first stop on the trip to help us learn Spanish. We love Naatik so much that three years later, my mom organized a trip so I could travel alone to Naatik. Since then, he has actually been back twice by himself. He's um, one of several teenagers who have done that. We have had students come down and their parents have noticed that they come three weeks of class, four weeks of class, they go back to school and test out of all of their high school Spanish. So that has happened several times. And um, it's been amazing. So parents think, well, it was worth pulling them out. But it is true in the summer. There are, we're full. Um, we have reached capacity. And it's because parents do not want to pull their, their kids out. But it is, it has proven with history because they're not only learning Spanish, they're learning the Maya culture, they're immersed in it, and everywhere you go, people want to teach you about it. In their classes, they learn culture, they're learning language through culture, through history. So all of those aspects of this trip educate these children more than I could even imagine. So I agree, it's hard to have them come at off times, but it definitely has paid off for parents who do it. Can I just quickly add something, you know, as we're thinking about the future of the industry, one potentially disturbing trend is probably these kids who are saying, I don't want to be pulled out of school, or the parents who are saying, I don't want to pull my kids out of school, whatever that percentage was that we saw yesterday of adults who say, 
I don't want to take my vacation because I'm afraid I'm going to be behind on work. We're breeding those adults, right? So we're actually kind of cannibalizing, or the parents, unfortunately, are cannibalizing the future of travel by not pulling their kids out of school to experience vacations and building this sort of ethos within their kids of, I'm going to get behind, I'm going to get behind. Well, guess what? You're going to get a job and you're going to feel behind on your emails as well. So we have to really address this seriously because 20, 30 years from now, the same problem is going to exist because we're breeding it, right? All right, so now we're going to lose our deposit on two microphones. <laughs> so this, is, this panel is called How to Make Learning Fun for Kids, but let's forget about the kids for just a second and say how to make learning fun for adults. And this just came up this morning at breakfast and it was so compelling that I wanted to include it here today. We all come across adults in our lives that never had that experience of travel as, as kids or even as young adults and life just goes on and goes on and goes on and you may run into people who are in their 40s and have children who have never really traveled and are kind of scared to death of it. So we all have, I feel like, especially, especially those in the media, we can connect with individuals who don't have the travel chops and help educate them, hopefully, with the, with the help of agents and suppliers, to get those adults out the door so they can set that example for their kids that just keeps that chain of awesome going. So Beth, I'd like to hear your thoughts first on how we can educate our adults so that then they can then educate their kids or at least inspire them. Well, so we've been hearing repeatedly this week, everyone here agrees that traveling as a child has made them a better person, has made them more adventurous, has taught them lessons that are you know so valuable that push them outside of their comfort zone. Um, often we have spouses that will call. We usually are talking to mom, not always, but more often than not. And they're saying, I need to get my husband on this trip, but he's never, he's never left the U.S. You know, he's, he's not going to stay anywhere but a Marriott. He's not okay if there's not internet. Like, it's, it's pushing, help, help me convince him to go on this trip. The kids are fine, but we need to make sure he's going to be okay. Um, and so it, it does come up quite a bit, and it's a lot of conversations and finding the right match and maybe putting them somewhere that has internet, but also explaining how important it is to him that he does have some downtime, put the phone away and connect with his kids and be there. And um, when he does go, he's always so happy by the end of the trip that he went. But it, it is a bit of a challenge. Catherine, thoughts? We have the same thing with a lot of dads who decide not to come. Moms come. Um, but when the dads do come, we definitely take time to pick the right homestay family. So many times with the dads, they bond with their homestay dads. We've had some fabulous stories about the dads going out and getting a beer together, you know, and, and the moms thrilled that they're not cooking and feeling bad that this homestay mom's cooking for them. I mean, that happens all the time. They're like, we want to help, but they won't let us. And I just go up and take a nap in my hammock. And so the moms are thrilled because they're getting cooked for, and the dads are bonding with the dads. And one of my favorites, they, the family showed up and I was like, you guys look kind of exhausted. And they said they've been up all night playing Uno with their host family. And so I guess by the time the kids went to bed, they cracked out the tequila. And they, I mean, I don't think they went to bed at like 4 a.m. and playing Uno. So, you know, I think that the parents don't know what to expect. And they're taking their kids because of wanting global citizen children. And then the parents end up bonding with the homestay parents. And so that's, I've seen that over and over again. 
I want to acknowledge you, Catherine, because part of putting together any good presentation is being so prepared that it looks spontaneous. For Catherine, it really is. The three of us had breakfast this morning. We got to chat. Catherine was just like feet in the fire here. She didn't know that question was coming and nailed it. Well, well done, Catherine. So let, let's just look to the future a little bit, and then we're going to open it up to questions. That will start again with you, Brian. I feel like we're all collectively on, on a great path. We're, we're recognizing the need for families to spend time together on vacation as opposed to the babysitting service, and we're more incorporating more and more every day these educational opportunities. What's left? What's what's the runway look like? Yeah, for for our industry, I'm besides being responsible for creating programming for for kids, I'm also responsible for creating the adult programming as well as all of our nightlife programming and DJ. So I'm looking after the holistic experience, and the approach that we're taking in the cruise industry is this idea of creating with our guests instead of for our guests. And I, I think that's a lesson that the entire travel industry can learn, and and so many experts in this room ha have already started doing there's this idea that your your guests will tell you what they want to do they will tell you the experiences that they want to have you can look at kind of the lag measure data of different surveys and you can look at sort of lead measure data of of specific experiences you want to put in front of them but at the end of the day listening to what the guests say and helping to elevate their experience and helping to create programs that elevate the things that they say I want to do this so for us we're really taking a, a hard look um, at just our process. We're looking at how we analyze data. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an entertainment guy. I went to, to NYU. I have a master's degree in theater directing, and I am analyzing data right now because that's what's telling us where our guests see the future of entertainment for themselves, for their families, um, and looking at the, the entertainment landscape outside of their vacation experience. What are the television shows that they're watching? How often do they go to live uh, entertainment? theater, concert, opera, and what does that tell us about what we need to be doing on board? So for us, it's being data scientists, being data driven, being objective, and listening to our guests build the entertainment that they want. And one piece of Brian's story that we don't really have time to get into, but it's important to know if you want to chat with Brian. Don't after. tease him. What is it? It, just, it is. A <laughs> I mean, I want to know I what can't. this you said don't tease him. I'm not, I don't buy that for a second. I think you want me to tease him. No, so Brian, Brian's got a compelling story because now that he, he does work on land, he is working on, on onboard programming off the ship, but his career actually started onboard in the entertainment staff onboard the ship, and then he took that experience and that expertise and then brought it into, into the corporate office, or you know, at least on, on land. So you've kind of seen both sides of, of the coin as opposed to just sitting up in the ivory tower just deciding what people might want. You've been in the trenches. You've talked to families. Yes, that was very interesting. Good job. Thank you. Maybe I didn't. Right. Beth, okay, let's so, talk about the future. Uh, so the future. Uh, we are finding uh, every year a huge increase on the number of custom trips. Um, families want to personalize what they're doing, but it's still very important to them to have that piece of cultural immersion. Get off the beaten path. Do something exotic and different. Um, sustainability is also very important and becoming more so. We're hearing people talk about their carbon footprint and, you know, wanting to make sure that it, when they're flying internationally that it's, it's taking, you know, is that's like they're being judged by their friends and their peers by doing these exotic trips. So they have to, we have to think consciously about doing some, you know, offsets while they're in country or um, it, it's a conversation that's happening a lot now because it's coming up regularly. 
Wonderful. Catherine? Um, so we are a sustainable school. The school's fully solar, which is exciting. And um, all of our excursions, all of our activities, we have a cooking class. There's a Maya Spiritual Center in town for locals, but we can take people there and they can get cleansed and learn about um, you know, Maya spirituality. So, and we had, there's other organizations in town where kids can make t-shirts and things. For the future, what we're hoping is to pull out more of these. A lot of people in town would love to be able to share their wares, teach art, teach how to um, make a weepil, which is the Maya dress, you know, that kind of activity. All of that exists in town. So what we're hoping in the future is to have that and also to have more opportunities for our students to come and volunteer. Um, right now, our students go in and they help our English teachers when they're teaching our local students. Um, we have a brand new library for our local students, so they come in and they can give talks about their professions to our local students. And um, for one example that just happened this past summer is Olivia, who actually happens to be my niece. She came back extremely shy. Um, first year, she was so panicked when she was about to go to her home safe family. And then when she finished, she told my sister, I want to go back by myself next year and I don't want you to come. <laughs> my sister came anyway, but we stayed out of her hair and she There's left early. The parents don't come back more than once, do they? No, they, leave, they trust us. They're like, carry on. I mean, we've had students come two, three years after they come with their family. And so Olivia had this great idea. She loves photography and she got cameras donated and she's now back in, she lives in Maryland, got cameras donated and reached out to our local students, our high school kids, and said, if you come take my camera course this summer, because they were out of school, you'll get the camera if you finish the course. And they did. I didn't know what was going to happen. I don't know, they might not show up at summertime, but they were psyched. You know, it's summer, there's nothing to do. It's hot, and they go in the air conditioning, and they get to go out and learn and get a free camera. And it ended up being amazing and I, I know Olivia she is my niece extremely shy she stayed for three weeks she did an amazing job with the course they had an eval and the kids said come back next year there was nothing wrong with it and so it boosted her self-confidence and again when she cried she and her host sister same age wept and because we all drove we drove back to the airport together so those things and she has um, this quote oh may I sure Thank you the classes I delivered not only helped the students to discover a new way of expressing themselves, but it pushed me out of my comfort zone and helped me to discover a newfound passion, teaching. Shocking, because she's so shy. So that's what we hope for the future, is to encourage when families come down. If their kids have interests, we already, if kids play soccer, I know the soccer coach, they join the team for a week or two or three. Um, if they want to do track, my kids do track and they join the track team and the kids surround them. A lot of them are in English classes. So that's what we want to keep doing is getting them literally into the community and just dropping in. And it's awkward, but it always turns out extremely positively. Thank you very much. I know I'm excited and I'm sure there's quite a bit of excitement in this room. I'd like to open it up for Q&A and guys, I'm going to ask you just to share those two, the two mics between the three of you. I'm going to circulate with this microphone. Got any questions? Wanda, coming your way. 
Hello, thank you very much, panelists. You've all been awesome. Um, Brian, my question is for you. I really commend the work that you guys are doing in your very, very, very preliminary discussions um, surrounding the Department of Education. It seems as though one of the challenges could be this notion that we have that standardized testing is everything in our education system. So I wonder if you think that could be a challenge in those discussions, and have you already started talking about that? Yeah, so one piece of context that I'll offer there is uh, 63% of the youth counselors that we have on board celebrity ships uh, hold a graduate level degree, right? So you're not talking about kids who are coming for a summer job. These are educational professionals. Uh, and that's one of the prerequisites that, that we have actually put forward as we've started these preliminary discussions to say, we have qualified educational staff on board our ships. So the programming, the quality and the consistency of what we're going to deliver will be to the standard of what you would get in a traditional educational environment. That context has seemed to lessen some of the uh, potential angst about standardized testing. I won't make a political statement, but I will say that our experience has been that the quality of the educational experiences that we are offering on board, it's similar to students testing out of high school Spanish, any subject matter that they're getting exposed to for a seven to 10 day cruise, these kids are going back to their home place and are more advanced than kids who have not had the same experience. We're still building a strong business case for that and still building up the data, um, but I think that it will bear out that standardized testing will not be a factor, hopefully. We certainly appreciate our our big partners putting muscle behind something like that. It's very, very important, certainly to the folks in this room. Time for one more question. Yes, ma'am. I was just thinking about Olivia, and um, yeah, we have been talking about that uh, also traveling with kids has to do with this approach on education and in getting global citizens and things. And then I was thinking that my oldest kid, she's turning 11, she has, uh, in 11 years, she, has, she wanted to be an archaeologist when we visited some certain place, and then a biologist when we went to the Amazon rainforest. So is the conversation with parents, for example, with kids that are starting to see the end of school and getting, it, getting into college and, um, and universities, do you have a conversation with parents that they are in this moment in their time life that they wish to have them in a trip that will make them think of that, uh, think of that future? Absolutely. That yes, definitely. We have, we have families who choose the destination or the itinerary because the kids have that specific interest. Um, we've had kids who have gone to the Galapagos as high school kids who are now studying to be marine biologists. Archaeologists who has started, who went to Belize in 10 years ago and are now in a graduate program. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much for your attention during the panel. I want to thank our panelists one last time. Brian White, Celebrity Cruise, Beth O'Donnell, Thompson Family Adventures, and Catherine Gray, Naatik Language and Culture Institute. Great job, Aaron, as always, and thank you to the panelists for doing such a wonderful job. And we will look forward to listening to that episode when it comes out. Well, there you have it, my friend. I hope you enjoyed this special episode recorded live on stage in South Dakota. All the notes for this and for every episode of Family Travel Radio are available at familytravel.org slash radio. 
Alrighty, my friend, we will see you back here again next week. But until then, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. 